Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we once again have this day and we're learning how we might love others well. And Lord, we pray that we we're doing well in this venture. We pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us and bless us in that venture. And where we're not doing so well, that you would encourage us in ways that we might know you and follow you with more wholehearted devotion. And as this word is brought forth this morning, that you would illumine those areas and that we would give you honor and glory as we walk in the perfect freedom which is in Christ Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. The story is told of a photographer from CNN who was told that a twin-engine plane would be waiting for him at the airport as he went about to take pictures of a California wildfire. So he arrived at the airport. He spotted a plane warming up outside the hangar. He hopped in and he said, let's go. So the pilot taxied and took off. And once he's in the air, John, the photographer, told the pilot, fly down over that valley so I can take pictures of that hill. And the pilot said, why? He said, well, I, I'm the photographer from CNN. I need to take pictures of the fire. And so the pilot looked at him a little strangely and muttered for a moment, so you're telling me you're not my flight instructor? <laughs> Life is short. Don't make assumptions. We've all made assumptions. We've all had misunderstandings. We've all read somebody's mind thinking and had expectations of them, which they never agreed to ever, right? And when we do so, marriages end, churches split, employees quit, and families splinter. See, if we're to love others well, as we're learning to love like Jesus loved others, it's essential to refrain from making assumptions. So therefore, that's how I've titled the sermon, assuming dot, dot, dot. In addition, we must guard against harboring unspoken, unconscious, and unrealistic, unagreed upon expectations of others. We're on a journey to love others well. And last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul taught us what it looks like in an individual's life. We learned that love never ends because it's never ending in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so because of that, it started with that clear view. Just like we individually come together on, on Sundays, to be, we gather to be scattered to be a blessing. We do the same as individuals in our own prayer closets through his word to be a blessing throughout the week. And we learn that it spills out in such love that is patient and kind. It's not envious. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends because it's agape love, which is unconditional. That's who Jesus uh, is, and we, because we're his ambassadors, under the power of the Holy Spirit, love like that. And so we took a, a step just a step this week in our little churches, just learning some skills. So that's what we're doing. We're learning communication skills. And if you ever, and listening skills, by the way, and if you ever get a chance to take David and Carol Ball's Christian listening class, that's what we do. We learn to listen 
with the heart of Christ. And so we took that step and just started to take the community temperature reading, it's called. We, we take our temperature with the Lord, making sure we're right with the Lord, but also with one another, you know? Took the steps of, I appreciate blank. I'm puzzled by blank. And so we just learned to use these skills, and puzzling is a loving, loving word. You know, if you're bothered by something someone does, and you say, I'm puzzled why you tie your shoes like that, you know? I'm puzzled why your hair, son, is always disheveled. was a common phrase in my household 10 years ago, you know? Um, but the reality is it's a loving way to communicate. And we listen to their response. We don't just fix people, right? So that's what we're learning. We're learning to do that. And so this week we're going to take a step further in that we're going to learn uh, how, through the book of Proverbs, show us how we might apply continued skills in doing so. I encourage you to turn with me to Proverbs 18. And we're going to learn to stop reading minds and clarify expectations and not make assumptions of other people that simply aren't correct. But a little, little context about the book of Proverbs that you must understand as we dive into it. Because you heard Sybil read it, and it jumps, doesn't it? Verse 15 doesn't have anything to do with verse 16, and so on and so forth. When you, do, when you read the book of Proverbs, you have to understand that the word Proverbs means a short, clever saying containing wisdom in which the book of Proverbs is full of them. And the book of Proverbs has three sections. Chapters 1 through 9 is the introduction. 10 through 29 are the Proverbs themselves. And then they're personified in 30 and 31 with women who live out wise lives, all right? And so 1 through 9 is, is an amazing introduction, yeah, and it links the book, the entire book, to King Solomon. You may remember in 1 Kings chapter 3 that Solomon asked for wisdom from the Lord, and it granted him over relationships, over possessions, and the Lord gave it to him, and Solomon is known as the wisest man in the ancient world. And we're told in Kings, 1 Kings 4 that he wrote thousands of proverbs and poems and even collected knowledge of plants and animals, establishing a library in Jerusalem, if you will, of knowledge. So Solomon truly is the fountainhead of all wisdom literature. And while not all of Proverbs is written by Solomon, he is where Israel's wisdom literature begins. So with that said, in the introduction of Proverbs, chapters 1 through 9, we're told by reading this book, we gain wisdom. And wisdom is defined as applied knowledge. Though you engineers know what it is to do applied physics. Well, this is applied knowledge. So by reading Proverbs, in other words, you acquire the skills to live well. And so with that said... This wisdom is also linked with the fear of the Lord. Fear is not being about terror. It's about a healthy sense of reverence and awe about God and about my place in the universe. It's a moral mindset that recognizes that I am not God and that I do not get to make up my own definitions of right and wrong. Therefore, I humble myself before God and embrace God. God's definition of right and wrong, even when it's inconvenient for me. 
also chapters 1 and 9 are literally 10 speeches of a father to a son as he calls his son to cultivate wisdom and live in the fear of the Lord. A life of virtue, integrity, generosity, leading to a life of success and peace and great joy. As opposed to a life of folly or foolishness, you know, which breeds wrong decisions, stupid decisions, evil decisions, and breeds selfishness and pride leading to ruin and shame. And within those first nine chapters are four poems about Lady Wisdom. Wisdom is personified as a woman that we should sit at her feet and listen to. And we learn from her wise ways of upholding justice in our culture, living lives of integrity and generosity. And it's a poetic way of claiming that we live in God's moral universe even though they may not. We do. We're going to embrace Lady Wisdom and follow her ways. And so therefore you get to verse chapter 10 and it becomes the reference book, if you will. We all have reference books, right? You take them out once every 15 years, right? You come to my office, you might be impressed with my library. Don't be. I got a lot of reference books because I haven't read them all cover to cover. A few I have, but I got reference books there so that, oh, I remember this author said this. I can pull it out, look it up, and draw from his wisdom, okay? And that's what's going on here. And so when we arrived at chapter 18, there's some great proverbs, wise sayings that will help us listen well, speak well, to make sure that we're not making improper assumptions. So let's look at first the foolish way first. Verses 1 and 2, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion. This is a couplet together. One and two are joined together for a foolish way to live our lives. What are they? Isolation. Living in isolated lives. You know, we tend to be inward on ourselves, and we think that the desires that we have are normal, and yet they're not. And therefore, they break out against all sound judgment in God's kingdom and ways. And the fool takes no pleasure in understanding what the Lord has to say to living in the fear of the Lord, to living with lady wisdom. But the fool also is, loves to express their opinion. And boy, has COVID brought this out, hasn't it, over this past year? Um, just we're all too aware of such people who have lived such isolated lives and they seek their own comfort, and it's gotten worse, not better. And therefore, they don't listen to the counsel of the Lord. They're unable to make discerning decisions. And therefore, because of that, it exasperates the situation. Such a person has a tendency to speak without having all the information. Such a person makes assumptions. They do read minds, having expectations of others that the other person never agreed to. Therefore, they demonstrate, verse 13, they give answers, and it, you know, before he hears, and it's folly and shame. Verse 17, the one who states his case seems right until the other comes along and examines him. That scene is a courtroom, you know. The first lawyer up, 
seems very confident, but all of a sudden the defense lawyer comes along and asks questions that this person never even considered, speaking before they're listening. And so therefore, verse 15 talks about the wise person. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Verse 15 embodies what our lives should look like, my friends. We go, an intelligent heart seeks wisdom and the fear of the Lord. An intelligent heart listens to the Lord and listens to other, other wise people and seeks such knowledge that the world doesn't necessarily understand. So applying this is pretty simple this morning, you know, and profound. But yet it'll take time and practice. And it's all embodying the commandment of our catechism question this week. Talking about the ninth and 10th commandments. You shall not bear false witness or testimony about your neighbor. That we speak the truth. We speak the truth in love. And we work toward getting the skills to do that. So last week we talked about I'm puzzled. And the skill of using that phrase when somebody is bothering you a little bit. I'm puzzled by that. And then listening to what they have to say. Well, when it comes to not speaking before we're listening to others, making sure that we have all the information, maybe we can say to people, hey, I, w I was wondering, could I just check in with you? I was wondering, and then fill in the blank. Or, I think... That you think I'm in charge of all the vacation details. Is that true? And then listen to what they say. Because maybe you have an assumption that they never, they never had. Or an expectation. Or I'm wondering if you would feel bad if I canceled our coffee appointment. Because I really am slammed at work, you know. What do you think? And just listening to people. Assumptions create so much pain in relationships, and just by asking these questions, you create clarity and peace in relationships, my friends. It's an important skill that we must have. And, as, and when it comes to clarifying expectations, we need to remind ourselves, where do we get these expectations from anyway? Is it the family of origin that we grew up in? Who says our family was correct on everything, Right? Um, where did we get the idea that, um, you know, husbands pay the bills and wives take care of all the home maintenance? If that was my house, uh, we'd be in trouble. Because if you've ever seen my math skills, they're not even math skills. They're arithmetic. And I still stink at it. All right? Kim's better at it. So she pays the bills, and I'm aware of what she pays. But she takes care of a lot of home maintenance, too. I got the outside maintenance, by the way. All right? So it's a, it's a fair deal. But the reality is expectations that we have, that we carry into our relationships, especially in our marriages, need to be clarified. You know? Did you learn how to love your spouse from love songs of the 70s, 80s, and 90s? My goodness. None of those songs ever talk about the work that it takes to make your a marriage a loving, unconditional love marriage where love never ends. Reflecting the love of Jesus. How about uh, family meals at holidays? Where we're going to eat Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter? 
having expectations, my friends, that are unreal, that were never really stated for the, the grown children. The, the problem with expectations is, number one, many of them are unconscious. We're not even aware of our expectations until we're disappointed in someone, that they didn't meet them. All right? So that's the first thing. We need to realize what they are. Secondly, oftentimes, sometimes expectations are unrealistic. You ever met a person who said, why didn't you text me back? Well, I just received the text a minute ago. I was in a meeting. Well, you need to text me back. Well, that, that's an unrealistic expectation. You know, or my little church group will begin and end on time, no matter what, when it never does. All right. No, let's make sure we have realistic expectations of others and ourselves. Third, make sure these are spoken. Many, many, the problem with expectations is that they're unspoken. You know, have you ever said, well, they should just know to put the lid of the toilet down. You know, I grew up in a household of boys. We never put the lid of the toilet down. You know, my, my sister graduated from high school when I was eight. You know, uh, I married a, a woman whose household were girls. Put the toilet seat down, gentlemen. You know, but it was unspoken. I, I didn't know until Kimmy spoke it to me. And it, to think that someone should know what your expectations are is a lie from the pit of hell. You know, if we're to be people who speak the truth in love, as Paul says, we can't expect people to read our minds. So make sure we, we speak our expectations of them. And last but not least, they must be agreed upon. How often have we had expectations of people that, that they, they never agreed to it? So that's the question. What expectations do we have a right to and what expectations do we not have a right to? What expectations are valid and what expectations aren't valid? Well, that's the four points here. Number one, they're conscious, they're realistic, they're spoken, and they're agreed upon. Okay? An expectation is only valuable as they're agreed upon. And so, therefore, this, this can work in our homes. This can work where we, in our workplace and in our family. And there are times in life where expectations change, just as anybody with grown adults. They, don't, they can't always eat Thanksgiving with you. They can't always eat Christmas with you or Easter with you because they have other families that they have to do. So in our family, quite frankly, Thanksgiving is at our house. But Christmas Eve is not at our house. I'm busy. It's okay with me. You know, if my kids are at their, in, at their in-laws, and that's, that's a healthy thing. But I'm not going to lie, I grieve that loss of not having them, my kids here with me on Christmas Eve. You grieve the loss, but then you move on with grace. And so this is not only uh, how we receive, but it's also how we give love, right? That's the whole point of these skills that we're learning through the Word of God. You know, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expressing his opinion. No, we're, we're sitting at a humble place so that when we express our opinion, we speak lovingly. Because if you were to keep reading down, verse 21 of Proverbs 18 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. That death 
in life are in the power of the tongue because that's how it's expressed in the way we speak to people. It's not just what we say, it's how we say it. And since death and life are in the power of the tongue, we must use our words carefully as followers of Christ, my friends. They're easy to say but hard to take back. And rash words blurted out on impulse are like Proverbs 12 says, they're like sword thrusts. <laughs> the outburst itself lasts only for a moment, but the pain inflicted lasts a long time afterward. Therefore, Proverbs 29, 11 states, a fool gives full vent to his spirits, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Some things we think and feel are better left unsaid. End of story. But life is also in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 12, 18 says, the tongue of the wise brings healing. Paul writes about it in Ephesians 4, saying, it gives grace to those who hear our words. And the preaching of the gospel is wonderful, powerful work for good, according to Luke 4, with our Lord's words. And the Holy Spirit himself speaks to our hearts with healing and assurance of God's love in Romans 8. So if our deeds are called for, then of course mere words will not suffice. Proverbs 14. And words can be an excuse for a failure to take action. Proverbs 24, 12. But still, the wise guide their words with a clear awareness of their potential for giving life. Summed up in the book of James in chapter 3, verse 2, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Perfect man? <laughs> Which one of us can claim that? You know? We all have said things and done things that we regret and things that we've said and those things that we've left unsaid. But let us remind ourselves, brothers and sisters, that God never stumbles at his word. By his word, he calls into existence things that did not exist, Romans 4.17. The greatest proof that life is in the power of the tongue is God's promise of grace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Calling into existence a better future for us despite what we deserve. Because each one of us are rebels to the core, running our lives our own way. God would not allow us to continue in such a state, and he intervened on our behalf. He sent his son Jesus to die upon the cross for us, so that the death he received that each of us reserved, deserved rather, so that we could receive him as Savior and Lord, and then walk in his kingdom that we don't deserve. Living lives of purpose, perfect freedom and assurance, lives of integrity, generosity, and wisdom, listening, asking loving questions, fearing the Lord, and embracing wisdom. Asking questions like, I'm puzzled. I, I was wondering, you know, I think that you think, is that correct? No, my friends, if we will strive because love never ends. And we take this step to employ these skills directly from God's word's principles. That plane will fly and land safely. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful just for the wisdom that your word has for us. And we recognize that 
Jesus embodied wisdom for us. And we nailed him to the cross. And because of that, we can trust him. That we can listen well to others. Help us to speak the truth in love. But first, listen. Recognizing that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And that we can listen well and ask questions. And, and then speak lovingly to our friends. Asking questions in a loving way. And Lord, as we do so in this journey for the rest of our days, recognizing that we cannot do this in our own strength, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to bring us back to true wisdom, which is found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.